for 11 years in a row. Ranking Arizona's number one most trusted referral network, rosieonthehouse.com. Information that you can't get anywhere else. And over three decades of Rosie on the House. Come on in, y'all. We've got the doors thrown wide open for you, the Arizona homeowner, to come into my house. I'll pour you a cup of coffee. I'll sit you down on the couch. Or we'll sit at the breakfast table. And let's talk about whatever you want to talk about concerning your house, home, castle, or cabin right here at Rosie on the House. I don't know why, but I got the biggest hankering for omelets and chicken right now. <laughs> and some wabbit? And some wabbit. Yeah. Hey, wabbit. Wabbit. Oh, mercy. So thanks again for, to Greg and Curry for that whole last segment on backyard livestock. And we're going to continue the conversation on yards here for this hour. Uh, our hashtag is creating a landscape to last. And we're fortunate to bring in a, a, a particular respected expert in the field, Miss Janet Weibel. She's registered landscape architect and certified arborist. We were introduced to Janet by our arborist friend, John Eisenhower. Uh, and this is a, a repeat visit for Miss Janet. Janet, thanks for coming in. Thank you very much. It's nice to be here. Now, if you're rethinking about what to do, how to impact your property from the outside of your stem wall to the edge of your property line. If you're thinking about touching, modifying, or enhancing any of that space, this is your chance to call the show and let's talk about it. I want you, I I don't like reading things on the radio, but Janet has published a book and and it is a book that's specifically designed or or uh, to have the the professional in the field is really a a guide for them but i've had a copy since you were on last and i refer to it all the time before i go out in the yard great i'm enjoying it thank you in the book there is one sentence that seems to me to epitomize janet weibel and her mission in life. <laughs> wow. <laughs> let, let me read it to you. It is time that the aesthetic beauty of our plant materials, the functions they are intended to fulfill, and compositions created with them is appreciated and accentuated through better plant care practices. You, you must just drive down the road and throw up in your car all day long. <laughs> Not that bad, but, you know, <laughs> tunnel vision. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very subjective, selected tunnel vision. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, and I'm guilty. I, you know, I am as guilty as anybody about not knowing. Uh, when I finally did bring John to the house to trim up some mesquites, his first question is, who's been doing this? <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's... I told him Jennifer. <laughs> oh. No, no. <laughs> But the, but your book is really designed about giving some guidelines about how to properly care for plants that were properly selected for the proper location, for the proper effect, for the proper laying layering beauty of the whole scheme. Exactly. It's it's more than just wandering the aisles of a of a 
uh, a nursery. Yes. Deciding I like that plant, I'm gonna find some place to plug a hole in the in the ground. Right. There's there's more to it than that. And and our article today kind of takes people through those steps. And I mean, when you're when you're first coming onto a property for someone wanting to interview you or collect your ideas, how do you start them through the process? There's just so much to think about. Well, we um, get to know about them, what their lifestyle is like, who they have at their property, and then we assess the space. Not only who they have at the property, what they, like last <laughs> last hour we talked about backyard livestock. Exactly. Have you ever, have you ever designed a space for a chicken coop or yes, a, we make or places a sheep's quarter? Yeah, not a sheep yet, <laughs> but chickens and goats are very typical. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And they're fun. They're part of our life, and they need they need a place. So well, I'll tell you what the the chicken rage that's caught on in the Arcadia district. Mm. I mean, they've got some pretty elaborate chicken coops in some of those backyards. I'm sure. I'm sure. My neighborhood, too. We have chickens everywhere. Golly. It's great. So you really have to think through, like you say, who's on the property, what function you want to get done on the property. Right. Uh, I love Greg Peterson's function of you don't plant anything, you don't, you don't eat. That's a good philosophy, <laughs> right, right. You know, if you're going to water it, fertilize it, trim it, Might as well it, eat it. worry about it, sweat <laughs> over it. Just make sure it's not poisonous or too many thorns in there. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so you assess who's on the property. And okay. the space and who the na- you know what the neighbor's relationship is to the property and um, privacy issues are a big request on almost every residential Um a lot of people want help with the design to reduce the amount of water they're consuming. So one answer is to remove the grass, but there's a lot more to it if you just remove the grass. Irrigation systems and technology have advanced so much that sometimes you can remove some grass but keep grass and then update the irrigation system and do some soil improvements to really affect the amount of water needed on the soil. It, it's, a holistic, it's a holistic, whole view yes. approach yes. that you call sustainable. Sustainable, and, yes. And I think one question you ask that probably doesn't get asked often enough by landscape designers is, who's going to care for this property when we're done? <laughs> yeah, that's a big that, question. That is yes. a, that's the $64,000 question yes. right there. Right. When people say they want a mesquite tree, which I love mesquite trees, the question comes up, it's like, well, their beans fall in July. Are you able to get those pods picked up in July and August? Um, and so that's just a practical consideration. And, I mean, that leads into, well, how much maintenance do you want to do? And do you have time to do it? And what's your tolerance for the the leaf litter and the things that plants produce, which they do, what's your tolerance level for that? Some people just can't handle anything. And so you have to really pick your plant materials that can um, produce the results they want and work with the maintenance levels that they're going to either hire people to help them with or to do themselves. Well, I'll have to say that's a dimension I haven't generally considered. I'll have people... Okay, let's do bubble diagrams of what, what activity is going to happen in what section of the yard. Right. Here's the chicken coop. Here's the bocce ball. Right. Here's the sand volleyball court. Here's the barbecue outdoor kitchen area. Here's the swimming pool. Now let's def- devi- de- design right. 
to go with those functions. And that's an important step, yes. But then ask your question, and I could come up with a lot of great designs for that, but then ask your question, now, how about in 10 years, who's going to be maintaining this? Yeah. That would, that would change a lot of things at the drawing phase. Right. And um, another thing is, you know, people forget or don't realize how big some plants get, and it becomes a maintenance nightmare if something has to be pruned just to maintain space on a walkway or um, clearance underneath. Uh, and it, it's just something to consider before you put that plant well, in the Well, it's like ground. a Christmas tree. You know, they always look smaller at the Christmas tree lot until you get it home. And, you know, the trees always look <clears throat> smaller until you're growing it at your house. Yeah. Yep. You're having to trim the trunk. You're having to top the tree. You're trying to do everything you can to get to fit into that eight-foot ceiling. Exactly. It looks six feet at the plant at the yard. <laughs> <laughs> so the maintenance is an issue that needs to be thought of up front. And I that, think so. That's, a new, that's yeah. a new dimension for me, and I think it's extremely valuable. Time goes very fast. I mean, five, ten years, you've got um, a full-size tree out there. They grow fast. And all of a sudden, you're, you're having to prune um, something just to keep it out of the way, and that's, that gets frustrating. And people don't enjoy their yards the way they could if they didn't have to do such regular maintenance. I think to tie into that as well, you know, consider if you're planning on staying in that house a long time, you're going to change. Absolutely. Are you going to design it with that in mind? You know, you're going to make this huge project for yourself, and then you're older and slow down. Yeah. So, yeah, something to think about. Right. We are getting older. So if you're approaching 50 or over, you're getting older, and I guarantee you're going to slow down and not want to do as regular maintenance as you used to. And Sitting in my backyard, those 14-foot-tall oleanders that have provided us privacy in the backyard for 30 years, they're starting to look more and more like a block fence every day. <laughs> Which is great. And every plant has a function, and it's great to use that. But there are ways to maintain them um, periodically without hedging, shaping, shearing, and creating um, a, a tortured look for quite a while. After, a tortured look. After someone does that. Oh, so. you've, been, you've been to my house. <laughs> That's a great term, a, yeah. the tortured look. And there's so much poor trimming being done that yeah. ends up that way. Well, it's a lot of habits or procedures are, are done because that's what they know how to do. Um, and God love the folks that are out doing this work. We need them and we want, want them to continue. But there are alterations you can do to your trimming to avoid that look. Um, we'll use your oleander hedge, for instance, because a big topic in the book is called um, renovation pruning. Um, and if you, I'll just give you the example. If you've got an oleander hedge and it's getting out of control and they need to be trimmed, well, instead of renovating all of them, then you get that tortured look. Right. Just renovate every third one or every other one. And let those take those down to the ground or 18 inches for an oleander, and then let those refresh. But you maintain the other plants in place, so you still have your screen. And the next year or the year after, when you feel like it, okay, take the alternate ones down. So you never lose that screening ability, a lot less effort. And the plants actually do better by doing that kind of a practice. 
You can't be compulsive like Rosie. I start the chainsaw, baby, and it ain't good. I'm not turning it off till I get the end of that line down there. Yeah, the chainsaw pruning is. <laughs> and when you get to the end of that line, I'm sure you load all them up in the back of your pickup truck and take them to the dump. I do. My Sanderson Ford F-150. Only have purchased at Sanderson Ford for the last 30 years. They are completely open for business right now. Uh, they're double, triple cleaning everything. The showroom was always spotless. I mean, I, you know, even the even the service bays in the back of Sanderson Ford were always clean. Now they're just impeccable. Uh, if you're looking for a great car value, they've got uh, virtually every 2019 car on the lot can be had for 0% interest. That's free money. These are beautiful new vehicles just sitting there waiting for you to come down and slap your name on them. Get down to Sanderson Ford. Or buy online, shop online, and they deliver. You can go to SandersonFord.com, click around, find the car of choice. If you've already had a Ford, you know exactly what kind of vehicle you're going to get, so you don't have to worry about going test driving. You're going to get a great quality vehicle, and they'll deliver it to your door. You know, I think one of the most overlooked plants is the native creosote. I love them. How often do you see subdivision come in? The first thing they do is Blade scratch them. everything. They might save a couple Palo Verde. You got to save the saguaros. <coughs> but they'll plow out the, the mesquites. And if you go into a neighborhood that was built into the landscape instead of scratch, there's there's creosotes everywhere and it's like this just i mean it just feels perfect <laughs> it smells it's supposed so good. to be and here it smells so good and you add just the slightest bit of water to them and they don't look like this shraggy shrub <laughs> they they come alive they do they do we're here with janet weibel she's a registered landscape architect and certified arborist here discussing with us the concepts of everything you need to think about when you're touching that part of your property that starts at the outside of your home's wall over to the edge of your property, the whole yard. And Janet, you were talking about thinking through the maintenance of the home, and you you specifically mentioned a mesquite tree. And if, if, if I were going to start over or at, on a new lot, I mean, one of the very first things I would want is I love mesquite trees. Just... Get me a mesquite tree. Now, in in challenging me on that commitment, what what other species would you mention? What what would you offer as a option to that? Well, uh, let me say first of all, I love mesquite trees too. Okay. And when we start working with a client, we get to we get to know their tolerance levels for things. And so I use the mesquite as an example. Now, if you're into making flour or you don't mind the pods, that's great. I love mesquite trees, too. Um, they just haven't come up with one that does not have the pods. Right. And for some people, pods are just kind of a limit line for them. Um, if I, will, I will say I was in love with Texas Ebony when I first met him. 
But I, I'm not so much in love with Texas Ebony so much anymore. Oh, why is that? Well, because of the giant pods you can't do anything with. <laughs> right. Man, right, I right. mean, they're, they're ginormous. Well, then that's a decision you have to make when you're looking through plant materials and trees and trying to decide for your property is what do they do? I have to accept their characteristics. Right. And, and, you know, just so you go in knowing what they are and that you're able and willing to deal with it. Now, if you're doing a desert landscape, I think a mesquite is perfect or any, you know, other landscapes too. Again, it's just a maintenance consideration. But if, I mean, ironwoods are a great tree. Um, they have pods also. Most of our desert trees do. And, the, and they're the edible too. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you got to weigh the, the benefits and the um the uh, disadvantages, if you want to call them that. I don't usually think of trees with disadvantages because I love trees. Amen. And I pick up mulberry leaves from November till February this year. And but having that shade of that tree is is so worth it to me. So I don't I don't mind that. And I just want people to realize that there's a place for a lot of these trees. Just know what they do, and be able to anticipate the care they're going to need. Having a breakfast table conversation with Janet Weibel of Weibel and Associates Landscape Architecture, talking about what to think about in getting your property uh, to its maximum best. And we go back to that concept of sustainable landscaping, uh, looking through the, the whole picture, the whole duration of whatever it is you're putting together. Right. I think what they've done with hardscape and how you can incorporate that has really changed what you can accomplish in landscaping in the last 20 or 30 years. I mean, hardscape has brought a, a whole new dimension into the arena. Yes, yes. there are many forms of uh, materials out there, options for concrete. Um, you can go plain concrete, textured concrete. You can put a coating over the concrete. You can stain the concrete. You can do exposed aggregate concrete, exposed aggregate with a color in it. I mean, that's con that's just concrete. That's just one element. That's just concrete. Yeah. And, and I, then and then I'll you get tell into you, pavers. We, and I mean, we hardly pour outside concrete anymore in our remodeling project. I mean, it's virtually all gone to pavers. Right. Pavers, there's such a selection of great residential scale pavers now that will work with any color scheme, um, contemporary homes, traditional homes, uh, Sonoran desert quality homes. It's just there's so many choices out there. And um, I think colors and textures are, are all these things we consider to create the look for the property. You get that stacked retaining wall surrounding a nice mesquite tree mm -hmm. that's well lit, watered, trimmed, and cared for. And it's a piece of art. It is, yes. And it creates an outdoor room for you because the foliage becomes a ceiling. And in the summertime with lights in the trees, if you go that far, you've got a whole outdoor environment that you can enjoy in the summer and in the winter. Now, listen, if you'd like to talk to Janet, we're under the COVID-19 protocol. You need to call the 1-800 number. 1-888-767-4348. That's 1-88-ROSIE-FOR-YOU. When it answers, when the automated answering system answers, you're taken through a little COVID-19 protocol. I won't call it a speech. <laughs> you just push one. You can skip that. You'll be hooked up right to Jennifer. We've got calls lining up right now that would like to talk to Janet. Text can also be sent to 411-923, or you can email us at info at rosieonthehouse.com. That's R-O-S-I-E onthehouse.com. 
Well, we hope you're having a good time here this morning at Rosie on the House. Everybody's probably left the house looking for chickens. <laughs> We're here this morning talking this hour about uh, holistic, sustainable landscape design uh, and maintenance with Janet Weibel. She's a registered landscape architect right here in the Phoenix metro area, certified arborist. We actually met her through our regular certified arborist, Mr. John Eisenhower uh, of Save a Tree Integrity Tree Service. And we're talking this morning with Janet. Janet, we do have some people lining up that would like to visit with you. Uh, let's bring Miss Kay into the conversation and see how we can help her the most this morning. Good morning, Kay. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. I have a, a, a walkway on the west side of my house that needs to have a plant back there. It's going to be almost the full sun. And I want it not to get any more than 10 feet tall against my wall. Uh, I would like a flowery plant, something that will be water-resistant or water-friendly. It doesn't take a lot of water. Um, and something that maybe flowers all year round, but especially in the in the uh, winter and in the in the spring. Do you have any suggestions? And we're in a we're in a narrow walk area. Did I get that right, Miss Kay? Yes, and okay. I. That's right. It's probably about I would say around eight feet, uh, to eight feet wide, including the sidewalk. And I need something that won't jut out very okay. far. All right, Janet. I'm just going to sit back and you tell her what blooms year round. Uh, not many things bloom year round, unless uh, maybe some have a, a secondary bloom season. Uh, most plants bloom really big time in the spring, um, in the summer, and uh, they'll have a second bloom in the fall. And there are a few things that bloom in the winter, so we try to keep those in mind as well. Um, but all year round, uh, you might get blooms of a hibiscus plant if you fertilize it and care for it properly. Um, depending on temperatures that are sensitive to frost. But a hibiscus, you could probably get to bloom year-round, but it will, it'll take some extra food. And this was exactly played into how you open the hour, is that you plant something next to a, 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 an area that you're going to be occupying a lot, and you put the wrong plant there, and you're constantly trying to regain that space from the plant right. by trimming it back and trimming it back. Trimming it back. So she's got eight feet. Along the planter wall, along the sidewalk wall, she'd like color. Hibiscus would be one. Hibiscus would be one. Now, tell me, Kay, how wide is the space About itself? eight feet. Oh, so you can, you've got eight feet to plant in. Yes, from okay. my wall to the, the side of the house. Okay, so there are options. How tall would you like this plant to get? I would like it to be no more... Uh, then uh, then ten to ten feet, uh, so it doesn't go over the wall. Okay. Well, one that's um, it's not. It's like the opposite of a hibiscus. Uh, it's called a hop bush. Um, if if your priority is screening, 
The hot bush is a great option. However, it doesn't have the big fancy flowers that a hibiscus would have. Hop, H O P, hop. Yeah. Dot, so you yeah. just hop. <laughs> bushimage.com to you, see one? Yeah, you could do that. Um, for botanical people, it's the Donea viscosa. Um, it comes in green and purple. Um, purple's a nice color. It's a more uh, desert-appearing plant. So if your goal is to have a Mediterranean landscape, it, it, it may be something new to you, and um, you may not, it may not be your first choice. Um the Ruellia is another plant that gets purple flowers, and that I've seen they can get six to seven feet tall. Um, but that one, to do that, you'd have to prune it about once a year to rejuvenate it, but not all the way down. Don't take it all the way down, um, but just to get more growth out of it because the plant will respond to pruning by increasing a fl- with a flush of leaves. Fantastic. So it'll keep getting its size up. Well, there you go, Miss Kay. There's three recommendations. It was the hibiscus, hibiscus the hop bush, hop bush. or the ruellia. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there, there are more. I mean, it's, yeah. But so, there's three to start looking there's at. There's three right to look there. at, right. And on this topic oh, of. Another one I got to mention, it just okay. came to mind, is the Tacomas. The Tacomas are beautiful and they get that tall. So there's four that she could research start looking right fantastic and then we've got a call from gold canyon let's bring linda into the conversation because it plays right into our conversation about long-term questions you need to ask about what you're planning today good morning linda hi um i i've got plants that are on solid caliche out here in gold canyon and i've got a lemon it's been it's a great bearer um and it's about 15 years old but with we get these high winds and the lemon trees, the lemon branches have kind of twisted around each other and they need to be cut out, but I can't reach in there. And I want to know how to, um, I can't do the work myself anymore. Mm-hmm. It, it, mostly I do. I've, I've been doing my own work for a long time, but like you said, you get older and you just can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I want to know how to get in there to get some of those branches out Um without really chopping the tree or um should i go up from the bottom um and and raise the I, it's about well, well, three feet okay from the bottom now where well, the we, branches start from well, we, the, we've got the right person in studio to answer that certified arborist janet weibel sounds like a pretty intertwined lemon tree so did you say the canopy now is two feet above the ground about three feet. Three feet. No, no. The the branches start coming out about okay. three feet, and the the tree is about oh, almost twenty feet tall. It's oh. about fifteen years old, and it's yeah. a really good bearer. I'd like to keep it. Of course. But it's so dense, the branches in there, and they've twisted around from high winds. Uh-huh. Sometimes they get caught, and then they start growing that way. Yeah. How would how would we how would we well, I would stand it's back from the tree. Yeah, uh, stand back from the tree and determine the shape you want that tree to maintain, and keep that in mind. And lemons kind of grow upright, and so you want to protect its natural shape. I would start by going in and trimming the branches that you can that are dead, diseased, or crossing. If you know the ones that you can, 
and just do this in a, as a process and start, you could start now and do a little bit and then in the fall do some more. Um, but just start with that. I mean, citrus, the inner inner canopy, a lot of trees are, or branches are, are dead. So you can just kind of break those off or cut them up with a, a good sharp saw to get those out of there and just do cleanup. And then see what you have left, and then plan your next pruning session when you're when it's not as hot or when you're when you want to before um, next spring, and go in again and do the same. Um, the lemons come out on the outer edge of the tree, and so you want to keep the blooms that are there right now because those are what's going to turn into your fruit. But do a, a phased cleanup on the interior canopy of the tree and try to avoid raising the canopy too much because you don't want to expose the trunk and some of the larger branches to the hot sun. Well, people with their lemon trees, I've got a client in Paradise Valley who had this ginormous big producer for years Mm -hmm. that got weather damage. It split itself four different ways. And now it's like this twisted little trunk going up with everything else laying down on the ground. She won't even let us take the limbs on the ground away until she finishes harvesting the limbs. (laughs) And that poor old little tree, two years ago it was so gorgeous, and now it's just a scraggly little weed standing up there, and she won't let us touch it. No, they're (laughs) prolific. I had a microburst hit my lemon tree and took about half of it off, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, you know. But I I didn't want to remove it because it was still bearing fruit, and someone came to do work in the yard last year, and he's like, well, I'll take that tree out for you. And I'm like, no, let's just leave that alone. And I had someone come and trim it, and they did a nice job, and that tree looks as good as ever. I mean, it looks great, so it's recovered. They're very prolific and very durable. What did you call it? Rejuvenation trimming? Well, I wouldn't do that to the lemon tree. That We reserve that for shrubs. But, you, but you've but you saved this tree yeah. of yours that's been right. microburst split yeah. just with trained good... Good trimming. Remove branches that are damaged, diseased, or dead. And use nice clean cuts and feed it. You know, you feed our citrus trees three times a year on the holidays, Valentine's, Memorial, and Labor Day. Okay. And, heard that um, before. Yeah, yeah right, right. Exactly. And so just feed that citrus tree, and I bet it'll come back. All right, Miss Linda. Hope that helps out in Gold Canyon. Now, the next question I've got to ask you, if a client calls you for a landscaping design scheme, do you like it when they're on a flood-irrigated lot, or does that scare you? Uh, it doesn't scare me. I live on a flood-irrigated lot, okay. so I know all the... Um, implications of having flood irrigation water and you just have to manage the design to respect that flood irrigation and if someone's really really particular about their lawn and tiff appearance um it gets really tough doesn't it yeah flood irrigation water is um is great and but if you want that manicured golf course look Flood irrigation water is going to be a little bit of a challenge because the flood water brings in the seeds. Sure. Our ditches are open, and whatever blows in the water is going to show up in your yard. I don't have a pecan tree, and I have pecan shells every time I get irrigation. (laughs) (laughs) So um, you just have to be, again, be aware of the implications of what is happening and, and manage it. With a sprinkler irrigated yard, you can so much better control what your yard is getting and if you really are particular about your tiff lawn look that's a better option 
Well, in that I, case. Well, and it, again, we want to respect the property and what the people want for their yard. If you've got Bermuda with flood irrigation and you feed your Bermuda and keep it healthy, it's going to outcompete the weeds that come in. So you'll be okay. All right. Good tip. Um, but, I mean, the last two years we've had so much rain and the weeds are a problem. And I've, I've had to treat my weeds this year in my Bermuda flood irrigated lawn because I, I just oh, I bet. couldn't take it anymore. So. And, and in that treating, you're doing a broad leaf? Uh, they did a broad Applicant with a pre-emergent? Yeah, they did pre-emergent, they did a broadleaf, and they added an extra special chemical for the crabgrass. <laughs> yeah, okay. It is, and it is that kind of fight you're going to have. Yeah, and the other th- I mean, a really good tip is to mow your weeds or grass, Bermuda grass, whatever it is, before the seed heads show up, and then you've taken away the seeds. There you go. Um it's everything has to be adjusted to your tolerance level and your ability to maintain it to the way you want it. All right. When we come back, we'll finish and wrap up with Miss Janet Weibel of Weibel and Associates Landscape Architecture. Chuck, I see your question on the line. We're going to take this short little break. We'll come back and answer Chuck's question in Gilbert, and then we'll wrap up with Miss Janet. And again, I want to mention your book because I know it's I know it's made for the professionals. But even a hack landscaper like me gets a lot out of it. It makes me think before I fill up the chainsaw. Thank you. I'm so glad you put the chainsaw away. (laughs) Rosie Landscaping. That sounds like something you would do. (laughs) It's exactly what I would do. Yeah, landscaping at my house is survival of the fittest. (laughs) You even look like you're going to die. You're gone. Except for that stupid pomegranate tree I've tried to kill for five years, and it is producing fruit as I speak. I've, I've root and stump drowned that thing five different times. I can't even kill something I want to kill. <laughs> Let's get to Chuck and Gilbert, see how we can help him on this Saturday morning. I called in to talk to Miss Janet Weibel. Good morning. Good morning, Janet. Thank you. You're kind of a blessing because I've had this question for quite a bit of time. I have a, a fairly large sissu tree out in my backyard where one of the roots is pushing up a paver pathway. And my question is, will I... Uh, cause any damage <clears throat> excuse me i don't want to take the root all the way out but i wanted to kind of chop into it mm-hmm. so that i could make that path straight again yeah yeah um i am familiar with that problem my mulberry tree is doing the same thing to my bricks so if it's a major root it's not it's supporting the tree structurally but it's not feeding the tree uh with water so you can take a nice sharp saw and you can Cut across the top of the root. Interesting. To lower the root enough, hopefully, to get a paver or back over the top. Back over the top of it. The other thing, if you add um, a cushion in the form of sand or aggregate, if you can get your grade up that high, that will help cushion the brick and give it some flex, so that the root sits hopefully more politely below the bricks. 
Okay. So it doesn't matter how deep I, I cut that root as long as it's, uh, um, it, I, it is a, it is a supporting root. And I just want to make sure that I, you know, I'm not going to go through it completely, but just enough to where, right. uh, like I said, it's level. Yeah. So, <clears throat> the roots are pretty right, very, durable. You can just, I mean, expose it as much as you can so you can get the context of the root. And then you can cut over the top of it with a you know a good blade to just lower it just enough to get a little like an inch of sand over that, and then put your bricks back down. Sounds like a chainsaw job to no. me. No, <laughs> where's my bar oil? <laughs> so tell me how how tall is a sisu tree? It's um, probably about twenty plus feet and probably about the same in diameter. Wow. So how big is this root that we're talking about? Um, well, just to shave the top of it, it's probably, I don't know, maybe about 8 to 10 inches wide, and I'm going to have to go um, down maybe about 2 inches. Yeah, that's, I mean, and the root comes, how far away from the trunk of the tree are you with this root? Um, probably about 6 to 8 feet. Yeah, it, it's likely that it's a supporting root structurally, but the feeder roots are far beyond that point, and those are the ones transporting oh, yeah. the water and the nutrients back to the tree. So if you're if you're very careful and don't use a chainsaw, <laughs> <I will not. laughs> um, and you're not doing this to every root out there, um, it should be just fine. That's another argument for pavers, for sure. I mean, you can actually pick the pavers right. up, re redirect or modify it and then just put it all back together as opposed to busting up concrete. Right. Just one more advantage to pavers. Right. right. All right, Miss Janet. Um, landscape architect yes. and certified arborist. I love the way you think. I love the way you write. I love your book. Thank you. Um, so the book is available where? Uh, you can buy it on our website, which okay. is Ybell, W-A-I-B-E-L dash L-A dot com. Uh, there's PayPal there. It's available in Spanish. And we also have a book for Colorado in there. Well, yeah, it's on the website. And the Arizona book in Spanish and English is available on Amazon. Okay. But we'd rather you go to Weibull. That's fine. Yeah. That's great. Whatever's easiest for you. Well, sh yeah. I address the envelopes myself and ship them out. So. If, if you want to take the time just to be thinking about it, again, here's the sentence in the book that just, why not, it makes me feel guilty for what I do to my yard, <laughs> but it does make me respect when I see one done right. It's awesome. Here's the sentence. It is time that the aesthetic beauty of our plant materials and the functions they are intended to fulfill and the compositions created with them is appreciated and accentuated through better plant care. I mean, I, I get through that sentence, I'm visioning a beautiful landscape. Thank you. That's great. <laughs> That's the goal. Well, we appreciated you taking time out of your schedule to come in and visit with us today. Again, it's Janet Weibel. Uh, that's Weibel-LA for Landscape Architect. W-A-I-B-E-L, Weibel-LA dot com. Janet, thanks a million for coming in. Thank you, Rosie. It's great to be here. And I'll, I'll hesitate a long time before I start my chainsaw again. Oh, I hope so. I'll think of you. Janet wouldn't want me to do this.